Most of the New Testament references deal with what God desires, His will, what He wants. It's not that He's going to force it, that He's going to accomplish it all. That's speaking of the determined will of God, and we talked about that. But today I want to talk about, as Romans 12 is mainly emphasizing, and most of the references we'll look at, what God wants. He wants you to come to Him. He's got His arms wide open. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says. This is the will of Him who sent me, Jesus said. We looked at it last time in John 6.40. That of all who behold me, whoever beholds me and believes in me, I'll give eternal life to them. He wants you to be saved. He loved the world so much that He sent His Son. And whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the third part of the message titled, The Will of God. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Romans chapter 12, 12th chapter of Romans. I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We want to take a second look today at the will of God. The good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's a lot of interest in the subject. If you just speak, you know, topically on the will of God, a lot of people be very interested. But I find there's an awful lot of confusion coupled with that interest. There's confusion and misunderstanding about the will of God among non-Christians and Christians. I mean, I think most non-Christians, and I think I'm sad to say quite a few Christians, maybe many, we would say, think of the will of God as not good but bad, not acceptable and well-pleasing, but anything but, and uh, not perfect but ruinous. I mean, if you let God take your life over, if you followed His will, why, it would not be good. And the non-Christian thinks that way. We certainly shouldn't as Christians. Uh, God loves us. His will for us is good, well-pleasing both to God and to His children. And it's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, Now let's think about it, first of all, from the non-Christian's standpoint. Let me just... uh, tell you that if you're here without Christ, I'm glad you're here. There's a good place to be. You can take a look at uh, what it means to really know God. And so I'm glad you're here. But let me tell you that God's will for you is good, well-pleasing. It's perfect. It's just what the doctor ordered. He knows exactly what you need. He created you. And His will for you is that you be saved that you be in relationship with Him. Turn over to 1 Timothy. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
You see, the Bible says that uh, before we come to Christ, we are captured by our own will. Ephesians 2 says it, and it's not a pretty scene at all to read it. It's, uh, it says that we, we, before we came to Christ, we were doing the will, the desires, and it's the same term here, the desire, the will of the flesh and of the mind. It was a self-will kind of a thing. And people without Christ assume that they're doing their own thing. And the fleshly will asserts itself. But really, the Bible also says that it's the will of Satan, the evil one. We've been held captive by him to do his will, Second Timothy 2.26 says. But when you come to Christ, you're set free from all that. And that's God's will for you, to be set free from the bondage. And so 1 Timothy 2 says, verse 3, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. His will, and this is the same term, the same Greek term translated desire here, His desire is that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God, notice it goes on, and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that God desires you to come and be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, Second Peter 3.9 says. Now, I know whenever I say those things, whenever I read texts like this, there's certain brands of Christians who say, well, wait a minute, though. You're not saying that all are going to be saved, are you? No, the Bible doesn't teach that. In fact, the Bible says that most plunge on in their self-will. Well, then how can it be God's will that all be saved? Listen, we talked about that last time. There's the determined will of God, and there's the desired will of God. And uh, most of the New Testament references deal with what God desires, His will, what He wants. It's not that He's going to force it, that He's going to accomplish it all. That's speaking of the determined will of God, and we talked about that. But today I want to talk about, as Romans 12 is mainly emphasizing, and most of the references we'll look at, what God wants. He wants you to come to Him. He's got His arms wide open. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says. This is the will of him who sent me, Jesus said. We looked at it last time in John 6:40. That of all who behold me, whoever beholds me and believes in me, I'll give eternal life to them. You come to Christ. That's his will for you. He wants you to be saved. He loved the world so much that he sent his son. And whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So let me mark it very clearly. God isn't standoffish. He is not saying, well, you jump through the right hoops and you, uh, you know, you might qualify. He's saying you've all sinned and I desire you all to come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Okay, that's his will. That's his desire. That's good. That's well-pleasing. That is perfect. To think that you, with all your sin, can come to Christ and be saved. Don't ever think anything other than God standing like... Now, there's coming a day when He's going to get up. The head of the house is going to get up and the door will close. Today, 
if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. But now let's move from the non-Christian. I look at you and I hope you know Christ. Now let's look at the will of God for Christians because that's really whom he's addressing here in Romans 12. Notice he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you'll know and show forth and prove out the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. When a Christian puts himself on the altar, when a Christian puts himself at the disposal of God, that believer delights in and enjoys God's will. That is God's will, that we be given over to Him. As we renew our minds, as that transformation process we've been talking about occurs, as we renew our minds, we delight in the will of God. And God's will for the Christian is not, like many Christians assumed, lost, and you've got to go find it somewhere. It's hard to find. No, that's not really the picture in the Scripture. It's not mysterious, like just certain missionaries or pastors or somebody kind of get in on God's will and it's sort of a mystical thing. Not at all. God's will is revealed. He made it known. And I want to look at it and I want to talk about three things today regarding that phrase right there in verse 2, the will of God. Turn over to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We looked... uh, briefly at this, but I want us to see it again because we're going to look at three things that I know are God's will for you, Christian. I can say it without any fear of contradiction, and it lays the foundation for every other aspect of God's will. You say, well, is everything about God's will revealed? No. Not even everything about His desired will. Uh, He gave us what we need, though. And He gave us a lot more than we sometimes think. We scurry to the unrevealed portion. We start worrying about what God hasn't told us rather than listening to what He has told us. And I want us to look at at this. Remember Ephesians 5, verse 8. I stated it as a great statement. You were formerly darkness. Yes, we were. Now you are light in the Lord. That's the Christian conversion. We were darkness, now we're light. Then he says, and this is a three-point outline, verse 8. Here's the Christian life. Walk that way. You're light. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now look at verse 10. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That is so parallel to Romans 12 statement. Trying to learn is the same term, proving. Learning and proving it out, testing and finding out what His will is. And His will is what? Look at verse 10. Pleasing to Him. The Christian life is seeking to do that which pleases God the will of God. And so we search for it by searching the Scriptures, and it's not like a treasure hunt in the sense that it's hidden or hard to find. It's very clear. 
He has revealed it to us. And so you read on in Ephesians 5 and you come to a very clear statement. Look at verse 17. So then do not be foolish. Don't be a fool. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Get a hold of it. Understand it. It would be a fool, Christian, to not know this, he says. Understand what the will of the Lord is. What is it? Well, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine. That's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. First of three clear statements in the Scripture. The will of God for you, the will of the Lord for you, is that you be Spirit-filled. Spirit-filled in God's mind is not an optional kind of thing for some super saints. It is His will for every one of His children. You say, well, what does it mean? And oftentimes we have an idea in our minds that has to do, and there's a lot of, a lot of confusion talk, uh, you know, taught and, and spoken about among Christians and even sung about at times about what spirit filled is. But he says, listen, don't let alcohol control you. Don't get drunk. That's evil. That's wicked. That's not good. It's ugly. But rather let God's Holy Spirit control you. Be filled with the Spirit. And when you are, you'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We will be worshiping Christians, just as Carl introduced the time. You know, we, we hadn't compared notes at all, and I was struck with how much of what we sang today fits right into what we'll be looking at. It is His will for us that we be controlled by His Spirit. That's why He gave His Spirit to every Christian. He comes in and dwells you, and the Christian life is allowing Him to call the shots allowing Him to control your life. Now, it's an important distinction to make here. When you speak of the Scripture, uh, the Scripture contains both precepts and principles. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean this. When you're driving down the road and it says, speed limit 25 miles an hour, you're in a residential zone. That's a precept. Limit. Here's what is required. It's a command, 25 miles an hour. That's a precept. Now, a principle might be a sign that says, drive safely, drive carefully. You have both in the Scripture. You have direct commands that say, here's what to do. And you have principles that say, now, apply this in a wise way. This, look at verse 18. He doesn't leave any guesswork here. This is a precept. Be filled with the Spirit. It is His will. Understand what my will is, that you be filled, you be controlled by my Spirit. Spirit-filled Christianity is not just for a certain few. It's for every one of His children, God's desire for us. And when we're Spirit-filled, we will be, as it goes on and describes, we will be worshiping, we will be exhorting one another, we'll be giving thanks, we'll be submitting to one another. It's a beautiful picture of Christ-like behavior. And you say, and I think it's well worth uh, commenting on, people say, how can I be Spirit-filled? Uh, we could take a long time to talk about that, but it isn't difficult. It is parallel to being Word-filled. Colossians in the same place with a similar emphasis, with similar results, written from the same prison cell by the same author, with the same exhortation basically, except he doesn't say be filled with the Spirit. He says let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and giving thanks for all things to God the Father. What is it to be spirit-filled? It is to be word-filled. It is to allow the Holy Spirit who wrote this book to control the way I think. It's to renew my mind by filling my mind with Scripture and obeying it. That's what he means when he says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. You can't be controlled by the Spirit without contact with Him, without listening to Him. And you don't just listen for odd voices out in the ether somewhere. You listen to His Word. He wrote it down. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago under renewing your mind. He has given us what we could never find for ourselves. What we would never find on our own, He has given to us. That which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us, God revealed it through the Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 2 goes on and says, He took spiritual thoughts, the mind of Christ, the mind of the Spirit, and wrote it down. He combined it with spiritual words. You want to know the will of God? Get into this book and obey this book. It is God's will for you and me that we be Spirit-filled. Secondly, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just a couple of books back. 1 Thessalonians It is God's will that you be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4. This is the will of God. Now, do you see it, verse 3? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is the will of God. You don't have to puzzle over it. You don't have to go listen to a seminar. You don't have to decide whether you agree with the preacher. Just look at the Bible. This is the will of God, comma, your sanctification. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty clear, right? Pretty clear. Somebody says, well, those Bible terms are so big. Sanctification, I mean, whoever hears that? You don't hear that in the evening news. This is the will of God, your sanctification. Yeah, but I don't know what that means. Just keep reading. Read the rest of verse 3. That is, he explains, if you have a hard time with the word sanctification, he says that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Holiness of life and the primary thing he talks about is abstaining from sexual immorality. Let the marriage bed be honored by all, he says in Hebrews 13, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now in a day that just celebrates sexual sin, God's will for us as Christians. We were darkness. Now we're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We are to be distinctly different. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We are to abstain from sexual immorality. Pornia is the term here. All sexual sin, fornication, premarital sex, dishonors the marriage commitment. Extramarital adultery dishonors God and the marital commitment. Pornea, pornography, homosexual sin, heterosexual sin, you name it. This is God's will that you abstain from that. 
Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? Therefore glorify God in your body. You've been bought with a price, he says. I'm quoting Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we need to hear that today. We really need to hear that. People that are struggling with God's will, don't struggle on this one. This is the will of God. Your sanctification. Your sanctification. That is, that you keep yourself pure. A holy vessel devoted to the Lord. And I, when I say that, I, I will say very quickly that God designed marriage. He designed us male and female. And the sexual union is God-given and it is joyous and it is pleasurable and it honors God in its place. But the perversion and the twisting of God's good gifts that is so rampant in our culture today dishonors God and defiles men and destroys families and lives. And it's a tragedy. And we're to have no part in it. Now, having said that, this is very, very instructive. Look at verse 3, because uh, the context... I mean, this is a specific phrase, right? This is the will of God. But it's not in a vacuum. He's writing a letter to the Thessalonians. And as always, the context sheds light on the text. So look back, and let's just read the verses around it. Verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. What is the will of God? How do you know the will of God? Well, look at verse 1. Instruction. You received instruction from us as to how you ought to walk, as to how you ought to live, and what? Please God. In a more general sense, specifically, he says, this is the will of God. But in a more general sense, he says, all the instruction I've given you as to how you should live, as to how you should please God, that is the will of God. Verse 2, for you know what commandments we gave you. Every command of Scripture is not just God dictating rules and regulations. The imperatives of Scripture, the commands of Scripture, are the manifestation of His will, what pleases Him, what blesses you and me as to how we should live. You know what commandments we gave you by the authority, not of Paul, not of Peter, not of the denomination says, no, by the authority of the Lord Jesus. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, The Will of God, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. 
The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. I know God wants you to enjoy the Spirit-filled life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is God's will for you. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't let this world control you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this age. Be filled with the Spirit. And Christian, I know in your circumstances today, God's will for you is to give thanks. Well, Scott, not in this, yes, in this, in everything. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part four of the message titled, The Will of God. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.